Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. Welcome to Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. This is Dr. Dan. Freedom Forum Radio is for you, faithful listeners, no matter who you voted for or what political party you belong to. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is not about politics. It's about principle. It's not about candidates. It's about conscience and the Constitution. Like the name implies, this is a program about freedom, individual freedom, your freedom, where it comes from, what it means to you, and most importantly, how to hang on to it. You're listening to part three of this interview with Tom DeWeese on the topic of Agenda 21 here on Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Well, what you've enunciated is that there is a difference between reasonable nuisance laws and micromanaging. And, you know, I don't think most reasonable people would disagree with reasonable nuisance laws. I mean, that's really a given. And even that can be handled most of the time neighbor to neighbor. Most of the time, if necessary, you can do so in in legal action between the two neighbors. But what happens here is when the government intends to steal your property, to what they're really trying to do is to force you off your property, and they do that by making these micromanagement decisions, like the ones you've mentioned. Why shouldn't you be able to have a garden if you want to? Why shouldn't you be able to cut your grass short or long, or paint your house whatever color you want, if it's your property? And I'm not talking about managed communities. When you live in a managed community, you sign on to whatever the community agrees to. That's a separate issue. Uh, And if you want to do that, that's your right. But for people who just live regular on their land, these kind of micro-regulations are malicious because they are meant to take away your right and your enjoyment of your property for ulterior motives. And, And then they're so concerned about what's going to be built next door to your home and, uh, you know, all, the, all those scare tactics, but yet they're the very ones that now are promoting, through sustainable development, uh, the building of low-income housing in higher-income housing neighborhoods. And I actually met with the, uh, the uh, official in Virginia uh, who is in charge or was in charge of, the, of those programs to build uh, low-income housing in, in uh, higher-income neighborhoods, and he was completely convinced, he said, that bringing lower-income housing into a higher-income neighborhood will give incentive 
to those poorer people to get up in the morning and get to work and take care of their property. And, and he went on and on like that. And we just, those of us who were in the meeting were just looking at each other. Because, you know, as, as one of the gentlemen who was with us said later, well, you know, they probably won't see those people getting up and going to work in the morning because they'll still be in bed from the crackhead party they had the night before. You know, it's just these people move in, and this is a way that crime is building. It is a way that uh, property values are being destroyed. But this is an edict from the federal government. And what I've just said is completely politically incorrect, and I don't care. That's a fact. Well, this kind of action, moving the low-income housing into higher-income neighborhoods, is a political ploy. Because what they are trying to do is to dilute the vote of the people in those areas who naturally would vote to maintain private property rights. And they figure if they dilute that population, then they can, then they can sap that political power that property owners have. That's absolutely correct. Yep. Step by step. So we've talked about Agenda 21, and we know that it's, it's really not a conspiracy, but what is is there a link or and what is the link between agenda 21 and what goes on locally uh how did that happen how did that document from 1992 get implemented uh down in my neighborhood it happened exactly this way those ngo organizations uh that helped write it at the international level we're talking the Sierra Club, the Nature Conservancy, the International Council for Local Environmental Initiatives, Audubon Society, uh, hundreds of these organizations. Once that uh, Earth Summit was over in uh, 1992 in Rio de Janeiro, and once George H.W. Bush had signed agreement to it, they went, these same NGO organizations went into our federal government. They got uh, uh, congressmen to uh, put bills in. They got agencies to put programs together, the EPA, HUD, HEW, on and on, and particularly creating grant programs that uh, uh, were voluntary, but if a community accepts the grant, it comes with strings attached that they know full well, literally uh, would dictate if, if a community took them voluntarily, they would have to do certain things certain ways, building materials, uh, plumbing controls, uh, electrical controls, uh, based on international uh, regulations. And they uh, uh, would basically control your, what kind of home you could build or where you could build your home, control what kind of jobs would be available and so forth. These, all these things were written into them based on the ideas expressed in Agenda 21. Then they went into the state governments and they lobbied state legislatures to pass regulations that told every community that they needed to do a comprehensive development plan. Now you had local communities, county commissioners, city councils saying, what the heck is a comprehensive development plan? Ah, the exact same NGO groups that wrote it on the international level, put the regulations together on the federal level, got the state governments to do, uh, you know, make them do these comprehensive development plans. Now they come into the local community and they say, ah, don't worry. We've got everything here for you. We've got it all in a box. We've got uh, regulations that you can, guidelines you can follow. We've got sample legislation and we've got some money. 
And these non-governmental organizations, they come in and they claim that they're stakeholders. They're self-proclaimed stakeholders. They don't have a stake there. You, the citizen who lives there, has the stake. These guys are carpetbaggers that come in to put their brand of, uh, of an agenda together on top of you, and they bring the money, they bring political power, and they influence your local elected officials to, to the point that they'll, they'll create non-elected councils. Uh, you'll have water councils and uh, energy councils and uh, you know, sustainability boards and on and on and on, you, and then it begins to lead to regional governments, non-elected, and your ability to deal with your local elected officials becomes next to nothing. Uh, because they will always say to you, I don't know anything about that. You'll have to talk to this board or that board. And this, and, and who's controlling them? These same NGO self-proclaimed stakeholders. That's the way it came from the, from the international level down to your local community. But what they say to us all the time is there are no blue-helmeted troops at City Hall. The U.N. doesn't have any enforcement capability. Agenda 21 is just an innocuous 20-year-old document that means nothing. All of this is just local. They don't need blue-helmeted troops from the U.N. in your local community because they've got the NGO stormtroopers that know full well what they're doing and, uh, and they, they pretend to be local and your neighbors, and they're not. That's the way it's happened. We have to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back here on Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum right after this. You know, this is really, it's happening here. Uh, we have firsthand knowledge of that. Uh, just a good example of that is the Southwestern Commission, seven counties in western North Carolina. Now, you would think, what power could they possibly have? It turns out that the state of North Carolina gives all of our road money to them, and they get to decide where that road money is spent based upon what their comprehensive plan is for the seven counties. Now, we as citizens in our individual county had absolutely no say on what that road plan was. And so they have made a regional decision about where the road money goes, and we cannot stop it from happening. And that's what regionalism is. Uh, regionalism is the, the total lack of control over these major decisions that we should be deciding for ourselves, but instead a group of non-stakeholders who claim to be stakeholders and that we're actually paying for because we have to pay them every year just to keep them in business. And so we are paying for them to dictate to us things over which we as citizens have no control. Yeah. The uh, UN Commission on Global Governance said this, regionalism must proceed globalism. We foresee a seamless system of governance from local communities, individual states, regional unions, and up through the United Nations itself. It is a step. Our, our founding fathers were brilliant in the way that they created our government, where the local government would have the most impact on your daily life, and the federal government should have, the way it was supposed to be, have the least amount of impact on your daily life. Uh, so that if you had problems with government, what it was doing, that you could sit down with your city councilman, your county commissioner, over coffee or something, and, and discuss the problem and have some kind of impact on it. 
when they start putting these regional governments together and, the, and these regional councils, they have just taken your ability to discuss anything with them. These people are non-elected. They, uh, they don't care what you have to say. I, I was working with, um, uh, very closely with a lady in Montgomery County, Ohio, Jeannie Granado, and uh, uh, this is a case where they were putting in a bicycle lane that went straight through her front yard within seven feet of her front door. They literally destroyed her property with this thing. And uh, I helped rile, uh, rile up some of the folks down there and organize some of the uh, activists and they went to the county government, and the county government said, oh, the regional organ uh, group did this, uh, the regional authority. Went to the regional authority, they said, oh, we have nothing to do with that. We just got the money. We, uh, it's the local governments that decide how it's spent. Step by step by step, nobody had responsibility for this, but Jenny Granado's pro property was literally destroyed, and they've never given her a dime to this moment uh, in, in compensation for it. You know, we had an instance here uh, where uh, people showed up, again, from the NGOs, and saying, we're here to help you plan the future of your county. Just showed up. And they said, we're going to listen to you, we're going to have meetings, and we're going to listen to what you people want. And they showed up at the first meeting, and they had all the plans already drawn up. And so... Basically, they were saying, they were saying, yeah, we'll listen to you, but we already know what we want to do. And then the turnaround is, after the first meeting, they publish all this and write all this up and say, here is what you told us that you wanted. When, in essence, they came with it already prepared. They, on their PowerPoint presentations, they had slides from Europe from Scandinavia as to what things should look like, bicycle paths, you know, walking trails and things like that, but they were not from this country. And that's exactly what you're talking about. It's, it's taking control away from the citizens of the county, uh, and as such, you don't vote for these people who are making decisions, but believe me, those grants and those strings will not only cost you your property rights, they will cost you money because there's all, there is no such thing as a free lunch, as you well know. Sure. We're paying for our own demise, essentially. Uh, and what you're describing are these uh, f facilitated meetings. This is the way all public meetings are held now. You've got a facilitator who is trained in psychology. They have a predetermined outcome. They know full well where this meeting is to go. And if he does his job really well, everybody in the room will think it was their idea. And any time you get into a meeting where they begin to break you up in groups or they've got somebody up there with a blackboard and they start asking you questions, what would you like to see, what would you like to have, and they start writing it all on the board, uh, look out. This is a facilitated meeting. And, uh, uh, and, and, and I, one of the things they'll do in these things is they'll hold up two photographs. A photograph of a dingy old run-down neighborhood, maybe rat-infested, rusting, and another one of a beautiful, shiny new neighborhood. It's all beautiful. And they'll say, which one would you like? Well, I'd like the pretty one, please. Ah, you, en you endorse planning. Okay. And I, I, now in my, I do my presentations around the country. I hold up a picture of Marilyn Monroe and Rosie O'Donnell and say, which one do you want? You know, it's just 
this is ridiculous. You talk about dumbing something down, but that's what they do, and that's how these programs are run, and they know full well where it's going uh, in the end. The number one thing you have to do when you go to one of these meetings is refuse to, to cooperate, refuse to participate. You will disrupt the entire thing. But then they'll focus on you and say, ah, you know, even Dr. Dan here uh, could understand this. A child could understand this. You know, they'll, they'll keep deriding you that way. But there are ways to bust those up, and that's what we're beginning to do. And it's frustrating them immensely. Well, there's no question that those meetings have to be broken up because I've been to, we've all been to those meetings, and they do them with little sticky notes. You give, They ask you questions, you write them on the sticky note, they stick the sticky notes up on the board, and uh, then you walk around and you look at your sticky notes, And but you're right. These questions are totally engineered to have a very, very specific outcome. And, and if you object, you are marked. And they then deride you, they cause you problems, they focus on you, and they make you appear as some kind of an imbecile who should not have the right to speak. And that's how they get the result. Plus, they just fabricated anyway because they came in with the result before the meeting even started. Yeah, they've already got it all together. That's what people have to understand. This is not decided by the local community. Uh, it's all in a box. It's all pre-planned, and that is. See, this is this is the thing. They they use that and say this was all local. Where were you when we had this local plan? You sit, come in here and you start talking about international programs and all. This isn't that. This is just local. That's their excuse. That's how they put it together. But all, as you say, all those plans are already there. Now, where did those plans come from? This is Agenda 21. This is what that. 20-year-old document is. It is 40 chapters of details like this. And, uh, uh, yeah, it, it, you know, it, it, it doesn't go into great detail on, on what they're to be, but it shows what the goals are. The details are how do we reach those goals. And these plans that they're putting in together in your community, that is how they're to reach those goals. And what it ends up being, it causes sacrifice, it causes higher prices, it causes shortages. That is what Agenda 21 brings to you in every single community. And this is the reason why people are now beginning to rise up and say no. The other side cannot figure out how in the world we have made this a national movement, uh, you know, because it just makes no sense to them. This is just a common sense program of local people doing something. But people are beginning to figure it out, and when they see it, they know this is not good. And we do, you know, what, the biggest thing is people don't have the ability to speak out and say something about it. It's shoved down their throats. And you know what? People don't like that, and that's why they're beginning to rise up. You know, you're absolutely right. And one of the tools that we have found, and, I'm, and I know you, you, you find the same thing, is these people – Agenda 21, or, or NGOs, or, who, or facilitators, whatever you want to call them, they have grabbed all the good words, sustainability, stakeholders, consensus building, common future, biodiversity, smart growth, social equity, walkable, food justice, social justice, you know, uh, all of the bike lanes and urban sprawl, carbon, whatever you want to call it. You know, and then they say, you know, well, if you don't want sustainability, do you want unsustainability? If if you're not for smart growth, 
Do you want the opposite? So this is kind of a George Orwell type of, of doublespeak that they use where they take words that mean something to the bulk of the people and they actually mean something entirely different, even the opposite. That concludes part three of this edition of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Tune in next week for the conclusion with Tom DeWee. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. They call them muddy waters. And people I just love to hear that old man sing. Yeah, when I play the hoochie-coochie man, I get joy in everything. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. <laughs>